Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, and I'm doing the show tonight with John Roberts and Sue Timberlake. Hello. Hey there. And uh, yeah, we're going to dive into the four uh, ballot initiative questions here in the state of Massachusetts and uh, break them all down and then tell you exactly how to vote. You must all vote in lockstep in accordance with my will. <laughs> Don't you mean our will? Uh, y- yeah. Yeah. Our, yeah. our will. Our will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um I, I knew you were speaking for my feelings, Mike. You always I mean do. really my will, honestly. <laughs> yeah. If we're gonna by be the way, actually by the way, uh, 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 as we, you know, issue our our infallible diktats from our ivory tower, we should just stress that um these are our views and opinions, and they are solely ours. They do not represent Valley Free Radio, its hosts, guests, or anything else affiliated with the station. This is just us sounding off with our opinions and not in any way, shape, or form like advocacy on the part of this nonprofit that we're happy to be part of. As per usual. Just just thought I'd, I'd put it out there. But uh, if you want to uh, sound off with your own ideas about uh, ballot questions or other political issues, we do love to hear from you. Uh, you can hit us up uh, Facebook.com slash Civil Politics Radio or tweet at Civil Politics FM or go or email contact at Civil Politics dot com. Uh, And that is, of course, also our own dedicated website with recordings of previous episodes of the show, uh, links to supplemental episodes and all kinds of other good stuff. So absolutely check that out. So, um, yeah, the ballot questions. Uh, There are four of them here in the state. Three of them actually made the voter's guide. uh, But uh, there was a fourth one that sort of squeaked on at the last minute. Good job, Because, yeah, Mr. Galvin... uh, (laughs) Couldn't be bothered to uh, arrange for printing, you know, on cheap newsprint, uh, a voter guide to send to everybody uh, and still actually be in accordance with the deadline. So there, there's that. But uh, I think yeah, it was stalled for a little bit. All the signatures were in long ago, but mm. Republicans submitted this, by the way. Um, yes. But all the. Um, uh, the there's a review process and they didn't dump it, finish the review process until like the day after the printing of the guide or something. How convenient. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> anyway. So, um, genre, since you've got them handy, uh, could you, uh, Read the text of uh, question one, please. Question one. And if you hear, um, I'm going to leave the paper rustling because this is actually my ballot. Uh, I'm yeah. reading directly from the ballot here. Um, question one is proposed constitutional amendment. Uh, the proposed, basically, uh, the proposed constitutional amendment would establish an additional 4% state income tax 
on that portion of annual taxable income in excess of $1 million. This income level would be adjusted annually by the same method used for federal income tax brackets to reflect increases in cost of living. Uh, Revenues from this tax would be used subject to appropriation by the state legislature for public education, public colleges, and universities, and for the repair and maintenance of roads, bridges, public transportation. Uh, The The proposed amendment would apply to tax years beginning on or after January 1st, 2023. So tax year 2023. So I believe then that would be paying your taxes in 2024. Correct. Unless Um, unless you pay quarterly. So I guess exactly. Um, A yes vote would amend the the state constitution to impose the additional 4% tax on the portion, again, this is important, on the portion of the income above $1 million. It's not like if you make a million dollars, it's not over the entire thing. It's just 4% on. If you make a million dollars, it doesn't, it doesn't have any effect on you at all. If you make $1 million and $1, you pay an extra four cents on that, on that, on that dollar after the million. Exactly. And a no vote would make no change. So that is question one. Uh, people are calling it the minute, the millionaire tax. Um, people are calling it the, uh, and it's, uh, the proponents are fair share, um, Massachusetts, which I actually got a call from a call center, uh, asking me to vote wow. for that way. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. some people just don't like picking up unknown numbers. I do it all the time. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that is question one. Uh, do you want million? If you make a million dollars, do you want extra tax on the million dollars? Or, yeah. What What do you guys think? Well, I ha- definitely have thoughts about this, but I don't know if you guys want me to just sound off or if you want to, I don't know, actually have well, a me- moment, turn at the mic yourselves. And then <laughs> <laughs> let me poke you both with a stick. I'm against it. Why really? is that? Yeah, for two reasons. One mm-hmm. is it's the same old subject to appropriation. Guess what? They can use it for slush funds, for, you know, junkets for by our state representatives. But the real reason I'm against it is that the minute you do that, they'll move to New Hampshire. It's, it's you know, if all the states did it, it would be fine. But the problem is that Massachusetts will be alone with this. And I think people will move. So that's, especially if you're making over a million dollars a year, you can live wherever you want. So. So those are the two reasons I'm against it. But I know you're going to get I'm, I've got my javelin catcher already here. So go for it. <laughs> javelin catcher. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I used to have know. a friend in college who said that was their Olympic sport. Javelin, javelin catcher. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wait, wait. So you, you just That's said right like, there with the old Bob and Ray thing about the world champion <laughs> low jumping, you know, it's like, how do you low jump? Well, you know, you, you, you go to the edge of the cliff and then you step off and, uh, you know, <laughs> can I, can I just say that, um, you just grammatically, you said, I'm going to have my javelin catcher ready. Your yeah. friend said ready. that that was their Olympic sport, meaning you have yeah. a person whose job it is to catch javelins for you. I have special gloves. Sorry. Oh, I, I see. I should have okay. said that. Yeah. <laughs> I have my javelin catcher ready. Go, go. Wait. Go yeah. <laughs> are you no, telling I'm, me? No. I'm paying you minimum wage. Go. Catch I'm sorry. Are yeah. you telling? Oh, no. It's peace it work, genre. You, 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 you pay per javelin caught. 
That's, that's how you do it. Oh, cool. I mean, you know, unless you're some of those peasants who don't have your own javelin catchers. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm. I also have a, the um, WGBH um, article uh, website about it. Um, proponents say the change would make the tax system more equitable. Uh, it will make our system fairer, and it will provide more money for transportation education. Uh, Steve Crawford of Fair Share, Massachusetts, said on Greater Boston. A Tufts University um, study found that the tax would raise approximately $1.3 billion for the state in 2023 and do so in a highly progressive way, likely to advance racial and economic uh, equity. Um, a which, progressive tax, not a flat tax. Got it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's only above a million dollars. It's not, um, you get taxed regularly, and then on that dollar above a million dollars, then you get the additional 4% tax. So it's not going to hit anybody else. Um, opponents, Sue, say high earners are already paying their fair share because the higher income a uh, person has, the more money they pay in taxes under a flat rate system. Okay. Um, there. They also say there is no guarantee. Quite, yeah. Yeah. What? I was going to say that flat. The Massachusetts flat. It's true that people at a lower income don't pay all five percent, but mm -hmm. um, it, it's still a flat tax. It's flat. It's flat all the way up. It's not progressive. So yeah. I, I get what they're saying. It's not exactly accurate, but I get it. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, opponents say there is no legitimate guarantee that the money raised will go directly to the projects that, like Sue said, since the state legislature gets to decide how it's spent. Some have have also raised concerns that it could impact people with one-time windfalls who sell a home or business and could hurt small businesses whose revenue is reported as personal income and then passed back through the business. Um, yeah, a lot of people do that. Cool. Yeah, it's small. Yeah, I cool. Good. Good for you. <laughs> give me the money. <laughs> give me the yeah. give me the money. My my response to this is that the, the hand gesture where you just rubbing your fingers. Like, give me give me the give me the cash. <laughs> Did you see I thought the that was the world's return? smallest violin? Both. It's <laughs> both really because I'm crying for for stupid rich people, rich people that are like stupid rich, like really rich meaning. Hmm. They could be stupid as well. The, I don't know. <laughs> Did you ever see the one-page tax return for Massachusetts? It circulated a bunch of years ago. And it was, you know, it had all the boxes on it. And it was mass, easy tax or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And it's all these lines. And it's and it's basically, what, what did you make last year? And the bottom line is, send it all in. That's just, that was the tax return. <laughs> it's very <Okay>. funny. <laughs> uh, you know, with, uh, taxes are, are pretty... And the fees in this state are are miserable. But like I said, I'm I'm really against it because I think the millionaires will just move. And it is true, you know, if you sell your business or you give your business to your kids, their income that year is pretty substantial. And give your business they could, to their um, yeah, your yeah. kids. You know, yeah, in, if it's I, a million dollar business, I'm also very in take in, uh, in favor of a of a large estate tax anyway. So whatever, I'm I'm good with it. Yeah. <laughs> if you give yeah. a solvent business to your kids and they're and they have yeah. to deal with like an additional four percent on on top of the excess of a million dollars then i'm not going to cry for you go make you're gonna make a ton of money anyway so well <laughs> as someone who actually is a millionaire 
Um, I think this tax is a really good idea. Um, I'm utterly in favor of it. I've already voted for it. I already sent my ballot in. Um, the I think the arguments against it are just nonsense. Um, I mean, sure, yeah, some rich jerks will move away. Um, sure. Uh, but Massachusetts is a really great place to live. So you're moving away to some place that isn't as good, like New Hampshire. You know, New Hampshire is not, you know, uh, uh, you know, a circle of hell or anything, but at the same time, uh, it's Massachusetts, awesome. yeah, well, Massachusetts has a lot to offer in part because the state government offers a lot of services and does a lot of work for the state. Uh, and the state of New Hampshire just doesn't have the same, uh, uh, public, uh, sector presence. Um, yep. you know, they don't have the, good social services either, but you can live in Massachusetts, but declare your, you know, place of residence in other states. They could stay here and still not pay the tax. So. All right. Well, I mean, people can find yeah. ways to do shenanigans, and that that's a whole separate issue. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd rather you know, have more since, millionaires here than less. Why? What's the point? See, <laughs> see, see. Now, this is the kind of argument that reminds me of people saying, you know, hey, you know, uh, more people coming into your comic book store is great. You know, like you want to attract customers. And it's like, yeah, but if the people come in and they browse the shelves and write down the stuff they want to buy and then they go and buy it on Amazon, they're <laughs> not my customers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just people who are there. Like there's little value to me of just having people here. So I don't see any particular benefit to having more millionaires per se. I think uh, having more people who are actually uh, uh, paying in to uh, uh, paying back some of the prosperity they enjoy as part of l- the society they live in here in our state is a really good idea. And, uh, you know, as I said, I actually have a few million dollars and this tax isn't going to actually affect me. And just to be clear, I just sold uh, earlier this week. I actually just got a big fat check for selling the house that my parents uh, uh, that I lived in with my parents from 1985, the family home. Um, And the house more than tripled in value. They paid a little under 250 for it. I sold it for more than 850. And so I have a significant capital gains on that house, which again, more than tripled in value. And my parents paid cash. So, you know, there was no mortgage. This is just total absolute capital gains. And notice this uh, windfall tax, this this over a million dollars extra 4% isn't going to be, isn't going to affect me at all. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. 2023. No, because it's not income. It is. Here's the thing. Uh, the sale I mean, of the house would count as income for the purposes of this tax. Ah. And what I'm saying is it's on the capital gains. So like uh, I'm this house, which tripled in value in the town of Andover, you know, which is not exactly, uh, you know, a downscale town. Uh, it's a nice house in a nice location. Uh, it's I've done very well on the sale of this house. And. I've only cleared about $600,000 in capital gains, which is a lot less than a million dollars. So the house would have had to sell for almost double what it already did 
In other words, it would have had to blown up to like five times the value my parents paid for it as opposed to three, you know, two and a half to three um, before I would actually be paying an extra four cents on the dollar uh, on the money I made on the sale. Right. Like so I already it, will you... have to pay capital gains tax. There will be some tax that I will owe based on the sale of this house, you know, but that so, is. So wh- yeah. So when are you when are you taking us out to dinner? Uh, <laughs> when the pandemic's over, I would I would love to take us out to dinner every week, just like we used to do before COVID came around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, you know that'd be great. So all of which is to say, uh, I don't understand. Like uh, people should just vote for this because um, the people it will affect will not notice the difference. And I say this as someone who is far wealthier than almost everyone on the planet, and this tax won't affect me. So it's people who are richer than I am who will be slightly affected because it will be an extra four cents on the dollar over a million dollars in annual income. It's just not a big deal, you know? I'll just miss all the big gala events in Boston and everything that, you know, the black and white ball and the gay ball, all those folks that'll, you know, move to have their party somewhere else. So I just like the the gay ball is not going to go to New Hampshire. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It'll it'll go to Connecticut, maybe, maybe Vermont, but it'll not be going to New Hampshire. (laughs) Right. Um, Actually, famously low tax Connecticut. Yeah. All right. Sure. Or what is uh, it, Port Port Everglades in Florida, where all the gay men are? Anyway, and so, Florida's good on taxes. So Jesus, there's a reason. Okay, so in 2019, there's a reason just, Florida's awful. <laughs> in 2019, just 0.6% <laughs> of Massachusetts households boasted an income above one million dollars. Yet yep. they accounted for 22% of all taxable income. Yep. So that's not like honestly, honestly, like. Yes, some people might move or some people might move their money out of the state. That doesn't what like it's not a ton of money that we're going to be losing, honestly. It's like just do it's it. Just a differential between us and another state. That's all. Yeah, I mean it, like we're like if all the millionaires, if all the people that that made over a million dollars left, we'd still have One a ton a of rich people. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what are they going to ton of rich people? Like uh, less than one hundred. Are they going to give up their house on the vineyard? I think not. Yeah, we'll still get them for uh, for for property tax, and if they actually make over a million dollars with a business in the state, it's not like they're going to. They'd have to move their corporate headquarters or whatever. It would be a whole thing. They'd have to stop doing business in the state. Exactly. So, So you know, um. So I'm, I'm, I'm I personally, I am for this very much. So, um, I think this will like, even if like the, the legislature like does some messery around with it, we'll still have more money, which the state could always use. And especially if the, this is such a high profile thing, then they will have less of an incentive to mess around with it for at least like another like 10 years until people yeah. actually forget. So, <laughs> well, um, and the, the people who are actually affected by this and are actually thinking about leaving, stop being so greedy, y'all. I mean, seriously, just, just stop it. Yeah. We know you listen. L- learn what the word enough <laughs> means. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that's that's my opinion on it. Um, yeah, I recommend I, voting yes on question one. So we're two to, we're two to one yes uh, versus no on this yep. one. Uh, and you know, Mass Mass will probably pass it because you know how Massachusetts is. I hope yeah. so. Probably. But um, I'm a no, as you said. I'm a no. I can look up the uh, the the stats for the polling on these because I know the I know question one is trending um, like two to one actually uh, um, in in some recent polling I read about that. But next question number two that is this is a whole thing about dentists and <laughs> dental insurance and here's and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna break it down hit, hit the summary anyway yeah mm -hmm. so. Um, it would create new regulations for dental insurance and require insurers meet a medical loss ratio of 83%, meaning 83 cents of every dollar an insurer gets in premiums would have to be spent on patient care or quality improvements instead mm -hmm. of administrative expenses. Or profits. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that, so that's the measure. Yeah. And that yep. measure would also increase transparency and require that insurance companies share their financial data with regulators in the state who could oppose rate increases. Nationally, no law exists like this proposal. I'm reading this off the GBH website again. Uh, no law mm -hmm. exists uh, like this proposal, There, though there are minimum medical loss ratios set for medical insurers. So under the Affordable Care Act. So, yep. um, and do you know I, what the medical loss ratio is for medical? I happen to know. In the, under the Affordable Care Act, it's 85%. This is actually more generous to them. 88. Oh, they, it's they, 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 they shrank medical. it. It was 85%, well, uh, back when yeah, the Affordable Care Act first went into effect. I'm glad they've yeah, tightened it up. Well, and, and Massachusetts did it. Actually, Romney Care had it too before um, Obamacare. And it's really important because you guys always say, I think it's you, somebody said it's like Medicare is like 2% overhead rate. Mm -hmm, and it's, mm -hmm. you know, if, if the more you advertise, it's more like a casino, you know, you, and dental insurance has not had um, any oversight really at all. It's sort of on the edge. It's not regulated like medical insurance. So this is a huge step. And actually I'm in favor of this one. As am I. Yep. Okay. Three zero. Uh, on the uh, on the on a medical on the dental insurance question. And by the way, if you read this in the booklet or on your um on your election uh, or on on your ballot, you're gonna need like 15 minutes. It yep. is yeah. it, it details everything. And I w I actually read through the entire thing when I got my booklet, and I think my eyes rolled completely back into my head. It was yeah. So okay. Yeah. Okay. I read it too. Yes, really. And and it's a cure for narcolepsy, sort of, is what you're saying, or an mm. inducement for narcolepsy, is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, so, and the, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you've seen the ads, but a lot of people are saying, "Oh, your medical, your dental premium will go up," and it's like, "No, it won't." It it can't. It. And they, yeah. yeah, they still have to. Yeah, you're going to get a lot more coverage for your dollar, and yeah. that. That's a good thing. And it'd be somewhat regulated, which yeah. most dentists don't want dental insurance because it doesn't it doesn't pay properly. It's it's got yeah. all these exceptions. It's it's you know, it's a wild west. So it's a good I was, thing. I think I was actually at my dentist today and they were uh, they were advocating that people vote uh, yes on this question and talking about oh, how, how much worse dental insurance has gotten for dealing with and for paying out for patient care and whatnot. So I think it's yeah. definitely yeah. time these companies were brought to heel. Yeah. And you know what? It, it, he, 
under, if we, we pass this law, if a dental insurance company raises its premium and then, you know, say they, they, they double their premium, but they don't actually give you like, uh, uh, you know, all, all the, the, you know, whatever benefits they pay out, if it comes out to less than 83% of your premiums, they pay you back the difference. So it's like they can mm -hmm, double yeah. the premium and that just means they're giving you back more of your money get a rebate. once, once yep. they get, you know, dinged by the state. So that happened then, with Romney care. People got checks. Like I got a check yeah. from Blue Cross because yeah. they weren't meeting the medical loss ratio that year. It's like, what? Yeah. It like, happened oh, with God. a bunch of uh, insurance plans across the country yep. because of the Affordable Care Act. So just yeah. to, um, just to say who, who is supporting, I actually got a, a a thing in the mail uh about like from uh like dental organizations like to vote yes on to so that's the ADA the American Dental Association the Massachusetts Dental Society the Massachusetts Dental Hygienists Association American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry Mer Massachusetts Nurses Association Massachusetts Senior Care Association partial list everybody wants this you know who doesn't People that take your money, which means vote against them. That's usually what happens. <laughs> they it's, probably usually, it's usually how I, I, I ultimately saw, oh, the people, the, the very, very rich people don't want this. I am going to vote for this. Yeah. They probably <laughs> also don't want you to vote for this because that's just makes it harder for them to get more than a million dollars a year in income. So like, oh. don't raise their tax, <laughs> don't raise the, the tax rate on, on stupid amounts of income and also make it easier for us to rip off customers. That's a, it's a one, two punch. It's a great combo. Um, yeah. So a yes vote would change the change the law to regulate dental insurance rates. A no vote would make no change. So I'm voting yes on this one. I already voted yes. Yep. And mm -hmm. Sue. And that it's not about the money as much as it is about insurance is often legal organized crime and dental insurance has been oh, one yeah. of the worst actors mm -hmm. in my opinion. So it's good. It's good. Vote yes on on two. Um, number three, order number three, number three will come after we take our short break here on yeah, it'll politics. Have to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a big I one. I really thought we'd zap through this, but this is uh, right. We're going to take a short break. Uh, we're going to play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs, and we'll be back with uh, the rest of the ballot questions and maybe a couple other things if we have time. Uh, here on Civil Politics on Valley Free Radio. Please don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. Tune in to Evidence-Based Radio, science and skepticism from a feminist and socialist perspective. Every week, we explore the interesting and important stories in science with a focus on the positive. Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, or at evidencebasedarada.com. That's 6 to 7 p.m. Fridays on Valley Free Radio. And we are back with civil politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP. 103.3 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow. Uh, Sue Timberlake, John Murrah, and I are still going over the uh, ballot questions uh, here in the state of Massachusetts. We've knocked off one and two. Uh, you should vote for yes on both of those, says I. Um, and uh, question no, no and yes, says I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes and yes, says I. And- yeah. Ah, R says I. And uh, now, question <laughs> three is a uh, kind of complicated. Um, I, I well, as far as I, it, it, John was going to break it down for us, um, and then I can give my simple opinion, and then Sue and John, who seem to have more information about it, will give more sophisticated analysis. So, but go ahead. Question three: Law proposed by initiative petition. Uh, This proposed law would increase the statewide limits on the combined number of licenses for the sale of alcoholic beverages uh, for off-premises consumption, and it's including licenses for all alcoholic beverages and for wine and malt beverages that any one retailer can own or control from 9 to 12 licenses in 23 to 15 licenses in 27 to 18 licenses in 31. Beginning, Beginning in 2023, the proposed law would set a maximum number of all alcoholic beverages licenses that any one retailer could own or control at seven licenses unless a retailer currently holds more than seven such licenses. The proposed law would require retailers to conduct the sale of alcoholic beverages for off-premise consumption through face-to-face transactions and would prohibit automated or self-checkout sales of uh, of, uh, alcoholic beverages by the retailers. The proposed law would also alter the calculation of the fine that the Alcoholic Beverages Control Commission may accept in lieu of suspending any license issued under the State Liquor Liquor Control Act. It would modify the formula for calculating such fee from being based on the gross profits on the sale um, of alcoholic beverages to being based on the gross profits of all retail sales. And finally, the proposed law would also add out-of-state motor motor vehicle licenses to the list of the forms of of identification that any holder of a license issued under the State Liquor Control Act or their agent or employee may choose to reasonably rely on for proof of a person's identity and age. So a yes vote would um, make the changes, and a no vote would make no change. So... So (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure I entirely like. There's a lot going on here. Uh, yeah, I was this. gonna um, go further into. I just want to get the actual text in. Yeah. Um, well, I, I just, I just. So yeah, I don't drink alcohol. I don't like alcohol. So I don't drink. This isn't something I really think about very much. So 
my simplistic uh, view of it was like, there doesn't seem to be any shortage of package stores here in the state. So making it so that one company can own more of them, like, I don't see that there really needs to be any particular change. The alcohol is freely available all over the place. Well, not freely. It's widely available. People <laughs> can seem to get booze whenever they want and, be awesome. uh, and, and get what they want. So I I voted no because I'm just like, I don't see that there's any particular need for change. I don't see that there's a problem. So I don't think we need to fix it. But you guys may know a lot more about this than I do. So what do you think? Well, as a booze drinker. Yes, as someone uh, who actually <laughs> actually cares. <laughs> me, me too, John. I'm with you. Right, so, exactly. So let's, please, um, let's go through. Let's go through each point by point. So the first one is expand the the number of liquor licenses a single retailer or company can hold for their chain, gradually doubling it from nine to eighteen by 2031. So that would so we have a limited amount of liquor licenses um, in Massachusetts, right? Uh, Everybody there there are so many and they are split up between businesses and their liquor licenses for selling on premises and selling off premises and things like that. Right. So and this is purely for off licenses, right? This like is for, for, this for is package for, stores. Exactly. It's for package stores, it's for uh supermarkets, it's for um it's uh, not convenience for, stores. It's not for restaurants, it's not it's, for places yeah. where for brew pubs or or, or bars or any of those things. Unless they sell alcohol in like to be taken out. Right. So this is for people that sell like liquor, alcohol, like beer, all that stuff, bottles, cans and everything that you purchase and then and then leave and then go drink in your car. Uh, so then expand the um, like a man, yeah, like a man, and, and then crush the can on your head and chuck it out the window, and then go get arrested because you're drinking, driving. Don't do that. Don't ever listen to anything I say. So expand the number of liquor licenses a single, basically a single, single entity can hold for their entity. That is terrible. I think that's what I thought. It, I it think seemed that's like a terrible. It seemed idea. like Walmart wants more liquor licenses for more Cumberland Farms. I think. Oh well, okay, sure. Yeah, uh, they really they like convenience stores have really wanted to sell um, liquor like um, like easier throughout the state. Like that's and yeah, Walmart or Big Y or anything like that. Any any chain wants to be able to hold liquor licenses so when they open stores they can start selling those liquor sue what do you think about that first point so i think it discriminates between different kinds of sellers like grocery stores who have food and other liquor stores that are just liquor stores and i i don't i don't like that i think um i was telling you guys on farm to fork we've interviewed a lot of brewery folks you know people that make beer locally or, you know, hard cider and all that. And the laws here are, they're like a labyrinth and they're really tough on businesses and it probably does need to be fixed. But this, this differentiates between grocery stores and, um, um, you know, regular stores that just have liquor and not a lot of food. And I got a flyer. I was telling you guys, let me read who it's from. It, it was paid for by the Massachusetts Fine Wine and Spirits, LLC. So that's not the brewers and distributors. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's another, another third party. Um, and they're, they're basically saying that the family owned businesses lose the ability to have licenses and the large 
chains get more licenses and it's it, it's sort of like you don't it's something you don't want regulation to do really is to is to tilt the playing field instead of um uh basically you know opening the door sort of on a on an even playing field and i don't know why it was written i don't know what problem they're trying to solve it's very odd you know you sort of read it and it's like well these these licenses are going to be decreased and these are going to be increased and you know i i read regulations once for massachusetts and it specified a special tax break and it was only one company that qualified and it was mass mutual out here in springfield out here and I don't like regulations that are meant to benefit one company over another, you know, with, with the way they, you know, put limits on and characterize. So anyway, this, this particular um, flyer says to vote no, but I, I was already planning to vote no, given the description of the pros and cons in the um, secretary of state's book. So I'm a no vote also. So, um, the second point is impose a limit on all alcoholic beverages licenses. So there are different licenses for all alcoholic beverages, meaning including liquor or including like beer and things like that. And there are um, wines and malt beverages uh, licenses. So, so if you have a wine and malt beverage one, you can sell wine and stuff, but you can't sell like vodka, I think. Um and the second, like, the second like point, wine stores. exactly. Um, uh, so impose a limit on all alcohol beverages licenses to seven per retailer, meaning a retailer could only sell the combination of beer, wine, and hard liquor at seven of its locations. So they could hold like by 20, 2031, they could hold 18 licenses, but you can only have seven of those being all alcoholic beverage licenses. So you can only sell them at seven of your locations. Hmm. Um, any specific thoughts about that, Sue? Well, it's a big state. I mean, true. I, I, you know, if you had one, I mean, technically on not, cave, but like <laughs> we won in, pretty one in Boston, <laughs> one in Martha's Vineyard, you know, one in Newton, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're, you're going to run out before you get to Western Mass. So, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, I think that it's, I don't know why we don't do common sense stuff. We, we obviously there were people, you know, this is the problem with interest group politics. The people with the money can influence the regulations in such a way they get an advantage. And, you know, it's very hard to, um, I, that's why I often vote against changes to the legislation because it just, it just favors somebody more than it did in the past. It's, it's really problematic for me. So yeah, that, that's sort yeah. of along the same lines. This is an, a really interesting one, I think. The, the third uh, stipulation is um, ban uh, retailers from allowing customers to check out alcohol themselves. So you would have to do alcohol sales face-to-face. -face. I can't imagine why we'd ever allow, you know, automated sales. You know, it's like, how, you know, how do you check ID? How do you verify this is, in fact, someone who's legally old enough to buy alcohol? I, mean, I think you have to actually well, like put your license in or something. Well, and don't you, um, don't you, you can buy alcohol online, right? Certain kinds of alcohol. I mean, it's very limited. In certain what you states. Can buy. Yeah. It's not, it's not countrywide. It's, it's very specific states that you can buy like but, wine off the internet. Well, sure. Belmont, but, ahead, Belmont was dry until fairly recently. Belmont, Winchester. Uh, Sudbury, I forget the four towns in Massachusetts that were dry until very recently, but SS Pierce, which was a grocer would, um, would deliver it as, as, as if it was groceries. 
So <laughs> it, you know, there's Smart. there's always a way. Around. Well, and SS Pierce was a high end grocery, right? The Julia Childs used them. Everybody used them who had money. So, but that kind of, I mean, it's, I don't know. It just when you try and regulate stuff like that, I think you just make it so only rich people can can do it. So. As it should be. <laughs> the thing about the thing that I that I was really interested in with that is um, allowing uh, customers to check out alcohol like through like a self checkout line. That actually helps smaller businesses because they they don't have as many employees, and that would increase the amount of alcohol that they could sell, like packies. So if you have a self checkout yeah. in a packy, then there could be like one person um at the check like at the checkout line checking um like checking uh IDs when people come in, things like that. But then that there wouldn't be like a line out the door on New Year's, everybody getting champagne, you know, so that people could just go through. This actually would benefit larger retailers who could afford to pay more people and have more people on the register um and have larger spaces for people to stand in line so they could so they could do that so that i think that is kind of anti-small business to be honest um yeah so doesn't big y that's an interesting self checkout i don't you know say? if you can go through with liquor i said like uh big y and stop and shop all have self checkout now they i do. don't know can you go through the can you go through those lines with a I don't know. I go to a packy. I, I, speci- I try to. I specifically I, try to go to packies when I buy booze. I shouldn't think yeah. so. But he, here's the thing: yeah. like, I'll like, ask the next time I'm in there if you could go through there with alcohol. Yeah, if, sure. if, if there isn't it. a person checking the ID, you know, like, oh, I have a valid ID. It's got the chip in it that the computer goes, "Yep, okay, that's a valid ID. You are indeed." But the the computer can't tell that you actually are the person you know, whose photo was on that ID, unless you've got like, you know, facial recognition software and stuff like that. I'm just like, you know, that is more invasive spy tech data that we don't need. You know? <laughs> and a lot of smaller places, they ask, they ask for your ID like when you come in. If you look oh, do like they? a kid, yeah. Oh, okay. At a packy store, yeah. Yeah, at a packy. And, and if, the, yeah. The grocery store, there is a person who watches everybody. They're exactly. down there. They kind of watch everybody checking out. So they could, they see alcohol. They could go over and ask for your ID. Exactly. So yeah. They'd still check check themselves out, but there'd be that extra. Interesting. Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, like a like like some like I haven't been carded in a little bit, but like uh, when I was younger, um, I would get like so, someone would ask me for my ID like as soon as I walked in the door. And be like, can you be in here? No, get out, get get out right now. And that would keep people from like stealing stuff too. So um, hmm. anyway, uh, the next one is implement a new formula that increases fines for retailers who violate liquor laws. App. I don't know, man. Um, the next one, allow people without, oh, this is the big one for me. Allow people with out of state licenses to use their IDs to to get Allow light. liquor stores to accept those as a valid form of identification. Yeah. No, I didn't know. I thought, no, I no, didn't no. know. I thought they already did. I thought they did. No, no, no. You're, you're, no. I must be this, confused. You are. This is, this is saying that if a business wants to get a liquor license, currently they have to have an in-state license as a proof of identification when they go apply for it. If they change this, oh. then someone from out of state can go, can apply for that license if they are an employer of that business. 
if oh, they're an employee of that business. Oh, I thought it was I'm about like, using <laughs> out-of-state licenses to buy the alcohol. No, no, it's, no, it's no, proving, it. yeah. proving who you are. Uh, 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 so it's about being a resident of the state when you get a state liquor license. Exactly. Oh. So how do they do that with a chain like Stop and Shop? And you have to have a dude that that lives in Massachusetts that will basically stand up and say, "I am applying for this liquor license for this company. Here is my I'm license. An agent of, I'm an agent of this yeah. of this." So a Walmart, they would have to contract someone or Store hire manager. someone or something like that specifically to apply for all of these licenses, and this would increase the amount of licenses that a single retailer can hold. So someone from Kentucky or something can come to Massachusetts, say, I'm going to open like a bunch of stores, apply for these liquor licenses, and then go back home and then leave the, leave the licenses for the people like that are opening the stores. This is definitely anti-packy. And I am very protective Which, of our packies. I, clearly. You know, you know, this sounds like you, Mitch McConnell's muscling in on us, you know, <laughs> bad enough what he does in the Senate. <laughs> Kentucky bourbon, here we come. Oh, well, yeah. uh, if if you keep it so it's only a Massachusetts resident, then all those millionaires will have to stay here that own package stores. Boom! There if you, you go. Pass the, you pass the <laughs> question one, so you guys can get your four percent. But they, you know, their money comes from a liquor store. We have them captive. It's perfect. I mean, so. the the biggest thing about this question is that's what I love about you, Sue. You see the angles. <laughs> this is a this is this would allow more people from out of state to run to run liquor um, businesses in our state, and I want so more people in state to have business to be able to run businesses in our state. I want people here to run their businesses. I want people living here to run our businesses. I agree. So, so not a. Um, America first. You you think Massachusetts first? Okay. I mean, no. Yeah, sure. Screw it. Why not? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and if you if you open it up to out of state, if you keep it, if you open it up to out of state, then the people who have the million dollars can move to New Hampshire. So I'm with you. It's a no. Exactly on this question. Or they don't have to. Um, or they yeah they don't have to pay someone in state because like these people don't they don't need to live in state but they need someone to stand up and say i live here i want to get these licenses for this company so they have to spend extra money exactly and they have to spend extra money to do business here as opposed to people that actually live here that don't have to pay that extra money to have a, a person with a license and i'm sure like a bunch of them pay like a lawyer or something just <laughs> I'm sure there's like a thing. Okay, so a yes vote would allow the above changes. A no vote would keep the liquor license, liquor laws the way they are now. I am definitely a no. I'm a no. It's really funny because they they really sprinkled some confusing stuff in here. Like there's some stuff that's interesting that might be beneficial. There's some stuff that's really bad. And whoever wrote this question is very, very smart. Yeah, uh, And I yeah. also voted no because like I said – you know, doesn't seem like it's hard to get alcohol in this state, so why make a change? <laughs> yeah, this is this is really like making it easier for people to sell alcohol in this state, which are not even people to sell. It's it's to make it easier for out of state people to sell liquor in this state, which I am very firmly against. Um, well, look at New Ham- Hampshire; that those are all state owned. All yeah. those liquor stores. <laughs> 
You know, now talk that's, about that's regulating. That's not a bad idea, actually. Uh, if you're gonna, if, yeah, if, if you're like gonna living go... in friggin' uh, Venezuela, friggin' communism. If one's gonna not have, you know, small local package stores, you know, I think, you know, if we're gonna have one big consolidated owner, I think it should be the the public as opposed to, you know, some offshore billionaire. Would we get like would... friends and family? discounts if we own if it, if the public owned the liquor stores because uh, we're because we're like <laughs> part owner so make friends of the, with yeah, the public you know well the point <laughs> is the, the profits could go into the state's coffers so that would be so you know, can you money. imagine if i mean that's how new hampshire done, basically pays that, for everything because you know, <laughs> yes. taxes so anyway yep. sorry sue you were and saying people drive People drive to New Hampshire because it's cheap, so you know yeah. they get over the over the border. Yeah. Can you imagine if they'd done that with marijuana stores? We still wouldn't Oof. have any. The Oof. state would be figuring out what they were going to do, and yeah, thank God the state doesn't run the any yeah. of these stores. So free market. Yeah, almost. I agree. This well, a a regulated pro, uh, market for private enterprise. I I think this is actually an appropriate venue for it. You know, so hundred percent. I'm with you, Sue. Finally, <laughs> question four. Oh, question wow. four yeah. is is Let's actually speed this pretty up. We don't have a lot of time left. <laughs> well, this is. I think this is pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I um, thought so. But yeah, the I'm a, allow, I'm a no. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Settle down. So, this lets voters <laughs> weigh in on a new state on the new state law. This is a law that has already been passed that allows uh, um, undocumented um, people to have to register and get driver's licenses in um in Massachusetts. So they so this so yeah, this law has already been passed um regardless and this is regardless if they're living here legally. They would still have to meet all the requirements including passing a road test and showing proof of identity and residency and the uh the law would also instruct the Massachusetts Registry of Motor Vehicles to set up procedures so the immigrants without legal status who get a driver's license are not automatically registered to vote, right? Um, which is important, I think. Right, I agree. Um, so the legislature passed that law earlier this year over a veto from the from the governor. So a yes vote would uphold the new law, and it would go into effect next July. Or a no vote would repeal the law, meaning uh, immigrants living in the country illegally could not get uh, mass driver's licenses. Um, so I'm a, I'm a yes on that one. As am I. So, um, I think no. I think we're uh, you know I don't think one should have to prove one is a U.S. citizen in order to get a driver's license in the state of Massachusetts. I think it's just another way to. Uh, uh, basically, you know, uh, 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 sort of subtly uh, systematize racism in this country. And I, th we got plenty of that. Like, I, I, I don't really see that this does anything except uh, uh, appeal to uh, the, 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 you know, uh, act as an enticement to xenophobia. But whatever. Sue, what, why, why do you... <laughs> No, I, I, that's I what I think. Front loaded, Mike. God, Jesus. Well, uh, Sue, I mean, you know, are, uh, clearly, are we out of time? Yeah, no, nope. we are not. It's all you, Sue. Go ahead. Go Why am it, I Sue. wrong? You well, know, you disagree. I do disagree, um, and it's for very, very like most Republicans. It's for very selfish reasons. I just had to renew my driver's license, 
And uh, I had to get a um, real ID, you know, because you can use it as a passport Mm -hmm. on planes. And I guess I don't know if Canada and Mexico, but there's there's all these things you're not going to be able to do unless you get a real ID. Mm -hmm. So I am a privacy nut, as you guys know. And part of this new license protocol for I this that was a federal initiative. But part of it is that next year. And because it's coming next year, I had to provide my social security number again for my license, which I have spent years getting off of every document I could possibly get it off of. And I renewed it at the AAA license, um, mm-hmm. office and they were great. And it you know, went pretty smoothly. And I have my original birth certificate from Northampton and all that stuff. But I really resent having to provide my social security number to the registry of motor vehicles, none of their business. And it's because they're going to be able to segregate people who can vote. That's what they're doing. And I found it distasteful and annoying. And I really didn't want to have my driver's license be an ID like that. And so it's a privacy thing. I really don't want to create a system where they they do that to me in order to be able to handle the non-registration of voters. It's it's. I understand. I don't know why Charlie Baker voted against it. I think it was... Um, that he, they're setting up this system and that it's becoming really complicated. So I'm, I'm going to vote now, but it's like I said, it's really a selfish, it could be xenophobia, but you know, I have I'm a lot really of family confused. members. Who I, I'm confused too. Cause, cause the, this real ID thing is, a, is, is uh, complying federal. with federal law and it's gotten, right, you know, but, but yeah. it ha- you have to, you, I, so next year, I could say I was an illegal immigrant or undocumented immigrant mm-hmm. and not provide a social security number. Well, then you wouldn't be able to vote. You wouldn't get registered to vote. Well, right. But that's, also, what, that's what they've set up. They've set up a system that's going to going to discriminate against well, me in that. So. I don't think you'd be able to get a, a real ID necessarily. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but I'm not sure. uh I'm not sure. I how asked them if I was going to be that. able to next year. Yeah, they, they, I don't think anybody really knows exactly how they're going to handle that. But what they've done to get ready for it is that you, you can't get a driver's license without a social security number. Hmm. Well, this is, um, well, but that's I believe a one can get a social security number even if one isn't a citizen. I believe green card holders can get them. Can they? Yeah, not? but this, that's yeah. a documented citizen. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, this is undocumented. So they, they're they're creating this two tiered system. I like I said, I'm a privacy nut, so I resent having to provide my social security number, which they used to print on the front of your license as your. Oh God, license I remember. Number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I remember. So I've worked so hard to dismantle that and to not have it affect me. And I do believe it's the state that probably breached most of our privacy stuff and the feds with the tax tax returns. But so now my social security number is sitting on a form at AAA the, the in a question, drawer somewhere. The question is, how does uh, an, an undocumented person getting a driver's license affect your privacy? Like, honestly, like your, your very real and um, understandable privacy they, issue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, so I'm, they, not, I'm, they, I'm confused. I'm, yeah, me too. So they they created well, I could have gotten a non-run uh, real ID. There's still a window where you can still do that. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's the federal law, but the state doesn't do it because they're getting ready for this system. 
So they forced me to produce my social security number so that they could differentiate me from an undocumented immigrant. So does that make more sense? I actually renewed so my said, driver's license earlier this year and I didn't get a real ID. I got a, you know, the non-compliant. Wow. Yeah. Back so how, in are you, April. how are you going to fly after next summer? Cause they, they need I'll it. Probably for, get, um, I'll for, probably get another driver's license or I don't know, could bring my passport yeah. with me, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, if your passport's valid. I think you can do that. So, but so yeah, you know, they're, they're tightening the screws and I, I always resent that. So it's not as much about the um, undocumented immigrant getting a driver's license as much as it is the burden is put on me personally about my privacy issues that they're, they're tightening the screws on how they can identify you. And it's partly because they're going to have to differentiate because they use um, voter ID for registration. So, you know, they're tying the systems together. So it's more about mm. that practice. So I'm voting no anyway, just so you know. Okay. You know, but again, it'll probably pass in Massachusetts. Probably. You know, I, I mean, it already did. This is, this is to confirm it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You might like, be right. Well, I just, you may be right, Sue. Uh, I may need, I, I may need to, I don't know. The issues you're bringing up are, I, I don't know what to make of them. So I, I really. Down a rabbit hole. I think yeah, that's yeah. what you might want to say. <laughs> yeah, it's down a, <laughs> down I, a rabbit I hole. Do. But yeah. I, <laughs> uh, but I, I do think undocumented people should be able to, to get driver's licenses. But the larger issues about privacy and whatnot, I don't know. John, what do you think? as we i i think that i think this is fine um i think that the uh they are not going to be able to get real ids um they are going to get massachusetts driver's licenses and the most important thing i think is that uh when people are driving then we will know you know who's driving Mm. and they'll be able to get like insurance and stuff yeah that's you know um the the issues with real id and and privacy and things like that i think that uh, the social security number system is terrible. We need a more uh, secure and um, easily used uh, across multiple uh, industries uh, number to identify everybody. Um, they're, you know, like they, they have in uh, the UK and, and other places. So um, I think if you want to disappear, you should be able to. Hey, That's my hey. opinion. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you... I mean, that, that's what, like, Malta is for, Sue, so, yeah. you know. Anyway, well, uh, I think... Speaking of disappearing... I, a, <laughs> uh, I am a yes for this, so, in my opinion, uh, yes, yes, no, yes. Uh, and I'm the same, yes, yes, no, yes. All right. <laughs> I think I was I think I was no on everything except for one we all agreed on, so... The dental so. Uh, insurance, yeah. yeah. You were no, yeah. yes, yeah. no, no, yeah, well... Anyway, uh, uh, thank you for listening. We're going to have to wrap it up now. So that's going to do it for Civil Politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. Coming up next is Subculture, followed by Table of Contents at 10 and OK Asia at midnight. A podcast of the show is going to be out on Sunday, on Saturday morning, and uh, we'll have a uh, repeat broadcast Monday afternoon at 4. Thanks for listening. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.